Come on, guys. I need you in the hot box with me. No can do, Dick. Our time on EXPN was wonderful, but both of us are going in a different direction. Besides, I'm surprised you want a couple of B-listers on your top-tier crew. I'd hate to bring down your ratings with my subpar banter. Hey, I never said you were B-listers. I just didn't like you Johnny-come-hardlys blowing on my rusty trombone. Yikes. Good gods. Besides, they want me to interview replacements, and I just don't think I have it in me. Wave after wave of eager men trying desperately to get into my hot box. Golly. I think he's getting worse. Look, just come on for a few weeks. Buy me some time while I look for Rusty's replacement. I'm sorry, Dirk. I've been selected as the new face of Better Layers and Dungeons Network. And I... Let me guess. It's glute year at the Hardbody household, and you'll be hip-deep in squat thrusts for the foreseeable future. Throw an ass like the gods throw thunderbolts. Yes. But more importantly, I've decided to finish my Archmegas in the pursuit of permabuffs and sustainable enchantments. Well, that's just great. While you two are out there delving dank dungeons and plowing your bottoms, I'll be doing something important. MCing for a tragic audience that saw a world full of magical adventure and opted to be broom makers and wick dippers. Because if I don't do it, somebody else might. Wait, Dirk! I, I, I thought he was buying. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. The Fallow Crown waits for their last member, and the creature tasked with bringing them to Abel. Iavos is sitting in the garden near the front door on a bench, simply reading through Opus one page at a time. I'm so nervous, I don't think I can eat. I'm sure they'll have food on the boat. Do you think Usha's going to come back with food? God, I hope not. I feel like we should all take guesses on what he went to retrieve. Why did that turtle man go with him? From what I understand, he couldn't leave the satellite without supervision. So he had to go somewhere far. It had to be important. He said something about a tusk. I thought it was a horn. And why would he see sand about it? Who's sand? <laughs> Rain approaches. Close the book. Yeah. How can I help you? Did you sleep well? He stops and thinks for a moment. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. How are they? Fine, I think. Uh, some better than others. All terrified. But that's part of the job, isn't it? Yes. Poor Gaspar is returning to his home. He spent so long escaping from. We still don't know what's going on with Hal. He's just lost. 
has no purpose anymore. His drive used to be what personified him. Now he's just broken by an unnecessary war. Well, I suppose it could have been viewed as necessary, but his hand in it was not what he intended. What is necessary always requires a condition. You must eat to live. You must breathe to live. In the end, necessities require that there be something that you want. And if you don't want anything, then nothing is necessary. She says that loud enough for all of you to hear. Oh, Rain's here. Morning, Rain. Good morning, Gaspar. How are you today? Not great. Understandable. Hey, Rain. Maybe you can answer a question that I've had. Probably. Is breakfast cereal technically a kind of soup? Because we've had a back and forth on it. Barring some rare circumstances, I believe in order for something to be soup, part of it needs to be cooked. I cook my cereal. Well, then I guess it's a soup then, isn't it? I told you! Oh yeah, I wish I was not here. (laughs) (laughs) But you're actually hitting on an interesting point. Keep in mind, definitions often require definitions of things that don't have definitions. You're using words to describe words, and the problem is, that's cyclical by nature. And you should understand that being something difficult to define yourself. You know, I don't even know if we own this place anymore. Looking around at the manse. You never did, not really. I don't even know if we're welcome here anymore. Oh, you definitely are. Yes, your your manager, your administrator, they currently work for you, and your contract is still very much intact. Hmm. Far from comforting. At that, you hear the approach of an aether ship. As it comes to land in the docking ring, Grimmick Cragback jumps off the boat and lands with a heavy thud on the ground. I'll throw some rope down to him to moor it up. He does so. You know, as far as what could be last voyages go, could have been worse. Well, it's definitely not your last voyage. You got at least one more coming. <laughs> Great. Uh, each time I try to put a lid on something, I guess it just busts back open, doesn't it? And that does the way. Ugh. Yeah, it looks like Wushaw's made a new friend. <laughs> hey, everybody. Sorry for the delay. We had enough time to get it done, so I figured we might as well. Hope everybody else's affairs are in order. Where did you go? Now, young lady, I understand that things are pretty new to you, but usually when somebody has a last request or unfinished business, it's polite to leave that unmentioned. Oh, sorry. I appreciate the looking out for me, Grimmick, but it ain't no big thing to answer that. Back where I started, had to pick something up. Take the big, golden, twisted narwhal tusk that I'm holding and thump it against the ground a few times, letting out dull claps of thunder. That's that thing that killed you. Not exactly, but it didn't help. (laughs) All my weapons been inside me one time or another. (laughs) A little hard to bring back an entire ocean. (laughs) But why now? First time I changed, looks like I lost a lot of things. Things I should have remembered. This being one of them. I get that. Had a feeling you might. If I had remembered, if I had known about this earlier, I would have brought it with me the whole time. Speaking of unfinished business, since we might not come back from this, I realized that I never said I'm sorry. No, no you didn't. Well, I'm... I'm so sorry, Busha. For everything. 
Penelope, your words are nice to hear. I won't lie and say they ain't soothing to some level. Penelope, if I'm to be frank, there's some things that words just can't apologize for. Murder is high up on that list. I think, I think I'm done. I think I'm done being a victim to circumstance. I think I'm done being a punching bag. And if I need to press forward, if I'm to keep going learning after what I've learned, I need to do so with a nice belly full of self-respect, which is something I've been lacking for a good long time now. If you really want to make up for what happened, if you really want to make certain that you and I are good, make sure you have my back going forward. Not to mention you as well, Hal. Double time on that one. You want my help? You've got to earn it back. I understand, Busha. I just wanted to make sure I said it, but if we make it through this, I'll, I'll have your back. Wuxia, if you're defeated again, should we bring you back? No. No, you shouldn't. Certain risks have already been taken. If I'm to budge and change on that, I'll have to learn some new things and have some questions answered what haven't been satisfied yet. Danced around. Wuxia's going to look at Rain after saying that, but not answered. That's your choice, then. It is. Even though we've learned your afterlife is a cold abyss. Oi. I understand. Thank you. The wind shifts. Temperature rises as a gold dragon splits the clouds. Long whiskers flowing out around it. Its face is almost cat-like as it lands before you with a gentle tap. As it breathes, the wind becomes scorching hot. Its eyes burn like molten gold. It looks at each of you and then speaks. Your work is not done. In time, you will understand. I apologize for my role in your suffering. But it was necessary. My vendetta got in the way of my vision. But now, I see. I am Kazakh Striachur Ipkorakska, and we meet for the first time, and possibly the last. It's good to see you in good health, tragic as it may be. That body was a representation of my own hubris. It was flawed. I am not. Are you still the commissioner of the League in this form? I am. Perhaps I always should have been, but I was prideful. Then you're one of the many apologies I owe. I swore an oath to my team and to you. I didn't live up to it. I don't know that I can make things right. But if you ever charge for me, here the last time we may speak, I would hear it. Your charge is what it always was, to end the Darkwood. How does it feel to have this vendetta lifted? It is not. My brothers and sisters were consumed. 
and for all that Rain has done for me. She is the embodiment of their suffering and my loss. So even perfection cannot forgive? Forgiveness is a mortal thing. Maybe you can answer more questions then, or at least try to tell me some sort of truth I can wrap my head around. I have never withheld information that was essential. Fine. How do we stop this then? How do we bring an end to it? I cannot give answers I do not have. I know as much as you do. But perhaps, where you are going, you will find the answers you seek. Wish I was going to lean over to Gaspar and say, He only knows as much as me? Well, coming to us as you are, and seeing this one standing here alive and breathing, gesturing to rain, means some of your plans are on pause. I do not intend to kill rain, maven. The luminary, but I do not intend to forgive it, because I cannot. Will you share a goal, and it seems we'll be taking guidance from both of you? Who are we to follow into battle? Whatever battles you face, I will not be involved, and I suspect neither will she. I do um, interrupt this thing, but... Uh, We've got places to be. Hal shoulders a bag and looks at Grimmick. I'm ready whenever. Let us cast aside this uncertainty of what is next to come, for it's not a choice that we can make. We know what's next for us, and whether or not we plan for what comes after depends on how it goes. So let us face this first. You never stopped me before. Missioner? Pointing at Rain. Uh, whoever you are now, so long. Hate to say I'd miss you, but... Uh. Okay, everybody. Follow Crown on three. <laughs> Put my hand in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go again. Always coming up with excuses to hold hands. <laughs> she takes your hand. What's good for morale's good for morale. Wusha puts his big wet hand in. Al, put that damn bag down. Come here. I walk over. Wusha, like, inclines his head toward where all the hands are and raises his eyebrows. Not wanting to say it, but trying to make it as clear as possible that one way or another you're part of this. Hal reaches in and puts his hand on top of Wusha's, looks at you and says, it was always my intent to protect you, Wuxia. Swear to that? On the crown. Hello? Is anyone there? I can't see. They told me to come to room 215 for my interview. Did I take the wrong door? Well, well, well. If it isn't the next wannabe newsboy, come to my Dirk door begging for Bradley scraps and doggy bag fame. This is the beginning of the rest of your life. Please, have a seat. Excuse me? Good, good. You've passed the first test. Sorry to come off all salty mob boss, 
helps me weed out the scaredy wieners. Come on, sit down. I'm Dirk. But if you don't know that, I don't know why you're here. The name is Blink. Blink Houndsley. I'm here for the co-anchor job. I come highly recommended by DPS Radio and Nat 20 News. Here's my resume. Psh, they all come highly around here. I won't be needing this. Look into my eyes. Your eyes. I'm doing some soul searching, and you're the main attraction. Tell me, do you like history? Uh, yeah, it's okay, I guess. How do you feel about correcting people's grammar like a mean aunt, but also protecting them from the shadows like a creepy uncle? Is that part of the news? We're all part of the news, my pending BFF. You smell good. Too good. You're going to have to tone that down. I don't want people comparing our fragrance and me coming out the bottom. Like stop showering every day? Every day? <laughs> Look at Mr. More Than One Towel over here. Now listen, Blinkster. I'm a bottle of syrup by day, bag of gummy gricks by night, and kind of a wildcat. Can you keep up with an ass-first, ask-questions-later kind of lifestyle? A bottle of syrup? Like maple or that stuff that coffee shops use? I'll ask the syrup-related questions around here. Now tell me, how fast can you grow a beard? And can you be shorter? With, like, uncorrective shoes or something? I have no idea what's going on anymore. Oh, and the name, Blink Houndsley. Sounds too similar to Dirk Bradley. You got L's and I's in all the wrong places, my friend. How do you feel about... Orin Crust Bellow. I could call you Krusty. How's that word meat hit your ears, Crustburger? I'd like to go now. Yeah, sure. Good, good. Uh, one last question. And this one's the real aspirin in the pinata. What's your home address? And do you have a couch? And what time are you free tonight? We're about to witness a planar phenomenon. A keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. You're out for a picnic with your party, and the last thing you want is nasty vermin infesting your lighthearted lunch. Sturge in particular are aggressive this time of year. They travel in swarms of 5 to 20, and their 3-inch stingers can drain up to 1d4 plus 3 hit points per round. No thanks. That's when you reach for Sturge Dirge. It doesn't just keep Sturges away, it kills their asses dead in seconds and makes them regret ever thinking about turning playable races into prey. First, 
Next, Sturge Dirge fills their tiny, stupid lungs with deadly nightshade vapors, paralyzing them and suffocating them in what must feel like years of grueling agony. Next, it causes their body to convulse and sizzle for up to an hour after death, warning all nearby Sturges that you mean business. And your business is torturing Sturges. And business is good. After that, Sturge Dirge causes the lifeless husk of the heartless Sturge to emit a foul-smelling odor, detectable only by other Sturges, which inhibits their mating instincts, helping to thin their numbers for future generations. Lastly, Sturge Dirge reaches across the veil of reality to pluck the soul of the dead Sturge from their wicked, blood-filled afterlife, leaving them as a tormented ghost to haunt the hives of other Sturges. Don't let pests ruin your picnic. Get Sturge Dirge today. Do not spray Sturge Dirge on your friends or family. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Hey, you cuties! Did you know that more people are killed each year by vending machines than by sharks? I'm keeping this one right to the point because I know you're itching to get back to the story. This show is of course made possible by Patreon. If even half of our regular listeners decided to join the Patreon at a $5 tier, this podcast would change forever. Me and Zach would be a huge step closer to making a living doing this show after all these years. The advertising and opportunities that would open up for us is huge. If money's tight, we totally understand and we never want to come across as bagging. And we'll never stop making this show for free for everyone. But those who can support really change the whole game for us when they do. To name a few, the current legendary mid-roll teams are the Titans Rise, the Forgotten Legacy, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Twilight Concord. With Maisie, Mike Gordon, Big Boy Roy, and Caitlin Oliver. For personal messages and advertising opportunities, reach out to adventistlap-studios.com. To get us stuff in the mail, it's 2511 Southeast Pine Street, Portland, Oregon, 97214, as long as it's not homemade food. Be sure to follow our YouTube for Monday Night Live premieres of the LUQ hosted by Dana and me and Zach's ongoing Pokemon Nuzlocke midweek. I've also been streaming Slay the Spire and Pokemon Radical Red 4.0, so there's plenty of content on the VOD channel. We're working really hard to start putting together Season 3, and things are changing all the time. We're really excited for Rose City Comic Con, of course Zack's Wedding, and Dungeon City, and so much more, honestly. The future is bright. We hope to see some of you in town for one or more of these events. But that's enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. Gods, I love my battle chair. Enchanted to the tits with hover runes and flaming chainsaw wheel attachments, like the hard dickinest chariot imaginable. The only problem is, once I'm in close quarters, I don't need that shit anymore. This rusted out hunk of junk starts taking up space. It's a fucking liability! Combat mobility aids just aren't built for the high speed, high DPS lifestyle of the modern barbarian. I just want to get in there and feel their bones crunch! That's why the masterminds behind Power Word Chair and the Arcane slammed their heads together until this sexy bastard fell out. Introducing the Trebuchets. Some dickhead with a bow hooking sharp sticks at you, just yank the crank and get ready to spank. Some wiener with a fly speed got you pinned down, extend the all-terrain struts, adjust the trajectory and blow them out of the sky. This sick son of a bitch has even got returning. Fuck up your calcs and gotta get back into the action? Blow the trebuchet's battle horde and that shit'll materialize right under ya! You don't gotta be chair-bound just to get around. Launch yourself into the future with trebuchets! 
Power Word Chair Incorporated takes no responsibility for fall damage. Consult with your cleric before engaging the trebuchets. Not approved for use under the influence of alcohol, narcotics, or healing potions. Today, the domain of Abel is a punch bowl. Her cities, a collection of bulbous, pointy forms cascading toward a central cluster of radiant silver columns. As you approach, a tear falls unbidden from your eye. For the scale is beyond any works of architecture or craft possible through all the years and labors of mortal life. Despite your impossible speed, you are still hours away from landing. The hollow hemisphere that this portion of Abel manifests rotates on an axis, the center of which is the tip of the fourth highest tower of the Silver Citadel. It is to this point that Wuxia is driving. The precision of your trajectory and the protracted duration of your flight creates a profound sense of eclipse and perfect orbit as the fullness of the domain shifts and rotates around the center of your vision. After several hours, you begin to grasp some sense of the size and relative distance. Passing the lip of the bowl, you see below an entire continent of cityscape, making up a fractional speck of the total mass as this impossible horizon rises to envelop you. The pink and orange clouds of the infinite expanse beyond begin to clear, and in the incalculable distance, thousands of shapes can be seen, each one a domain like this. The fourth spire of this silver citadel is dedicated to responsibility, a judicial abstract deemed by the pluralities of this domain to be the pinnacle of penal authority and significance. Punishment is irrelevant in the face of cosmic responsibility. Iavos is going to point above the citadel towards where the bizarre dome of this sphere comes to a center, looks to Penelope. That's it. At least it's written. That's the center of it all. The pin that holds it all together. Never thought I'd see it. If responsibility is so important, why has it only got the fourth highest tower? It's not a tower measuring contest, Hal. We said he was penile authority. <laughs> Speaking of which, I think this is the first time I've heard that word not giggled. <laughs> Would it make any sense to ask you to point out where you grew up, Gaspar? As you scan the hemisphere, wherever you look, it appears as though all of the immediate cityscape is curling inward, as though beckoning, drawing you. I could point to any direction, and it would lead back home. But that, that path has gravity. I didn't know physical matter could have this kind of geometry. It's strangely beautiful. As you speak to the geometry, you note that Hal has been absentmindedly scratching a portion of his tattoo, which resembles the cluster of towers at the center. Hey, Hal, has that always been there? Has what always? The tower? No, your, your tattoo. As you look and realize what you've been doing, for the first time... The tattoo doesn't just look like lines. It doesn't just look like information. It's familiar. Almost as if it's resolved now, in this moment. I don't know if that question has a concrete answer, Penny. Not a lot of things here do. I think the answer to that question is yes, 
but also no. That same cluster of spires begins to grow before you, as gaps resolve into ports, arboreta, esplanade, and residential districts, but only after the entirety of your vision is occupied by the structures. Suddenly, Wuxia changes course, shifting to an upward trajectory, before coming to a relatively gentle landing upon an outcropping of runway. All around you, ships are moored, awaiting their pilots. Ahead, down a vast central street, is a colossal granite structure, somewhere between a temple and a courthouse. Grimmick, uncharacteristically, lowers the gangplank before jumping over the edge himself. Grimmick? What you doing there? Jumping. The reason you're not taking the gangplank? 485 kilograms. What? I'm 485 kilograms. I don't want to break it. Oh, I haven't so far. <laughs> I'm 485 pounds. What's the difference? <laughs> don't ask Wuxia to do math. <laughs> Without waiting for you, he begins the long journey towards this hall of justice. We got time. <laughs> well, if we never to leave this place, at least it's hauntingly beautiful. Hey, if you like shit that don't make no sense, it's a dream. <laughs> now nah, everything here makes sense. That's why it's so infuriating. Gasper, care to define sense for me there, friend? Something we all lack. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> As everyone's departing the ship, Iavos is reading Opus on a very, very text-covered page. Gaspar, is it true that they call the people who founded this place architects? At least in some sort of translation? I believe so. That makes sense now. It's funny how so much logic and precision can imitate the chaos of dreams. Not... not... Your dreams again, though, right? We're, we're proper done with that. <laughs> I don't think I'm capable of dreaming of something like this. Well, that makes sense. Gasper, are you able to? <sighs> Very clever, Wusha. I'm trying my hardest. You designed it yourself. That <laughs> is your pun and yours to keep. <laughs> he really is like a father now. <laughs> And if I end up being wrong, and it is, nothing I could have done about it anyway. Burning daylight. Well, not, not really. They could make more daylight if they needed. Besides, this can't be a dream. I'm here. Not as reassuring as you might think. It's really nice to walk with someone who moves at the same pace as me. <laughs> <laughs> On your long walk, your mind's real from the sights. Platinum colonnades flank the path to the stairway, holding aloft a roof whose contours perpetually shift in scrolling filigree, its wet surface reflecting prismatic light like oil on water. The stairs feel just too tall, as though not built for the bodies of mortals. I was not anticipating giant stairs. These look like regular stairs to me. <laughs> Come on, Iavos, step to it. You trained for this in the crucible. <laughs> Just no throwing up this time. As you pass beneath the arch of the main entrance, you feel a sudden presence, as though you are being seen and observed. There are no guards, no kiosks, no information centers. 
You simply know where you must go. Everything's right where it's supposed to be, isn't it, Grimmick? <sighs> Except me. Would have been nice if I could have just been up here instead of climbing those damn stairs. How strange to have every path be the correct one. You get used to it after a while. My plane, we didn't have any connection to the greater world. We didn't know about all of this. Uh, and once I got too big for my britches, they made me a part of the God Hunter Battalion, and I didn't even know what that was at the time. Now I do. You see enough things that make too much sense, and you start to get a little weird around the edges. Even stairs are new to me. <laughs> and I get old. I can take a few more things that make more sense. <laughs> Careful. The walk is long, through great halls that seem to go on for eternity. As you go, the sense of being seen grows, like a body looming in the distance, its gaze penetrating and intense. After a while, it begins to feel as though it is approaching, like a stranger crossing the street to interfere, eyes locked on yours, distance too great to decipher expression, smile, frown, Grimace or rictus grin. Iavis's hand drifts over and absentmindedly takes Penelope's. Nellie reaches for her father's spectacles, placing them on her face. As you go to place them, I grab your shoulder. No, not here. It's too much. No need for anxiety. They were always watching. It's just now they want you to feel it. What are they? Like Iavis said. It's too much. When you come to your destination, the sensation exponentiates. Your bodies feel processed, perceived, all sense of privacy stripped away. You are overcome with the inexorable certainty of being remembered, evaluated, judged, helpless to affect the mind of the watcher. Yet, as you come face to face with it, your chest fills with warmth, splendor, and unexpressed horror. Inquiry looks on. Imprinted against reality, vague yet vivid, as though imagined in a state of cosmic oneness, a mandala of fingers and hands from millions of mortal bodies curl infinitely inward in a cochlear spiral. At its center, an unblinking eye of silver sclera and pulsating red-gold iris seems not to shift or turn, but instead becomes facing a new direction. Yet despite its pupil never falling directly upon you, it feels as though it is always watching. From behind and inside the pupil, a wet mass will dart out, a tongue peeking briefly as though tasting the air. To the left of the central spiral, at an odd angle, Fingers and hands form a mosaic of a mouth, from which that same tongue periodically reaches out to moisten its faux lips. It drips with a voice all too human. It is not booming or resonant. It does not echo nor pierce. It is small, clear, and just off-center behind your left ear. Kneeling before this being is a young boy, one you recognize all too well. They suffered because they weren't strong enough to defend themselves, okay? 
I survived because I chose to survive. <laughs> well, you hold the fox responsible for the death of every hen it ever ate? Would you not kill the fox in your hen house? Fine. Fine. Kill me. I know what's coming. I don't fear death. My hand grips tight around Penny's. Yes, you do. But you shouldn't. You are correct. You are power. And that is what you will become. Your responsibility is known. You are to be scattered. To become a fragment in the reborn souls of all those whom you have harmed. That they may intend differently and with greater force. You will watch as helpless observer as the innumerable multitudes live lives fuller than yours by virtue of your selfless contribution. Upon each of their deaths you shall know every moment of pain you have caused them and all those whom they have affected. Then, when the last of their ancestors has faded, you will be granted your greatest wish. You will be consigned to a void where death will linger forever beyond your grasp. When finally your soul has made peace with the infinite, you will be granted finality. Unceremoniously, a pale green light begins to pour from the eyes and mouth of Falric Sunderholm as his essence is divided. <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck you! You are nothing without us! And soon we'll all be nothing. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. You're just too simple to understand it. The dark takes it all in the end. And when it knocks on my door, pray I don't accept its rewards. Do you hear me? You die first! <laughs> you die first! Choke on the profanity of it! The gods die first! My dearest, raddest BFF, Nate Daggers, a.k.a. Nene Deebles, Natty D's, Dagster Supreme, and Nat 20. It's me! I pointed to myself, but you can't see that, and you can't see me either, but it's Dirk. I miss you, and I hope your cosmic space warden isn't being too mean to you in future jail. I know your bunkmate doesn't spoon as good as me, but I sure wish they did. You deserve the best. Things have been weird and bad and kinda good here. My other best friend, who isn't actually my best friend, is leaving to go do book history at a new job. And right when I thought I'd cracked his cold coconut of a heart and slid in like a Bradley Breeze, he decided that our forever friendship was in fact quite finite. He also taught me what finite means, in a really angry way. I don't know how he does that. Anyway, I keep thinking about breaking DB bad and getting myself yeeted into space jail so I can be with my best bud. It turns out the people here actually kind of like me. I have fans. They send me stuff. In fact, I'm writing this on the back of a letter one sent me, and using the same envelope but scribbled out all the me stuff. Free secondhand stationery. Pretty sweet, right? Oh yeah, and I killed my dad. I found out he made me some kind of magic mini-god when I was a baby. And it turns out that my real dad is actually my mom, and she's almost as much of a dick as he was. If for some reason some jail cop is reading this letter first, I did not in fact kill my dad, and it's just a funny joke that you don't get. <sighs> Each night I dream sweetly of Dirk and Dagger grabbing life by the keister and double-fisting that dream meat all over the universe, cracking wise and cracking beers and visiting strip malls to find discount jeans. I miss you, man. I have too many plates on my shoulders right now to get arrested doing my cool crime idea, but rest assured, it's always on my mind, and so are you. 
Take care, pal. You're the last real friend I have. Signed, Dirk didn't kill his dad, Bradley. Sound meter go up. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure Zach is peaking his microphone right now. Oh, it's good. I feel the vindicated speak. for how embarrassed I was redlining the mic a couple episodes ago. Thank you for that gift that you can only give me once. <laughs> that was it. fucking awesome. Dirk would love it here. It's like an <laughs> infinite high five. <laughs> love Abel. That was so cool. Also, fuck that kid. <laughs> Uh, let's go around the table, starting with Law. Starting with Law, I love Abel. <laughs> no, just a, it's the perfect kind of place for creatives to kind of pass off and do what they want with. And it may, just makes it better. And the vindication of witnessing Sunderholm finally coming to dot, 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 justice question mark <laughs> really throws a intimidation weight to this whole scenario. If Doug was here, I'd say I was sure it was intentional. <laughs> My favorite part is both the line and its repetition of it's too much. Like mm. that was very good on both of your parts. And that was that was one of my favorite parts. Hmm. I think um I think my favorite part this episode, which I'm pretty sure was this episode, was uh Wuxia inviting Hal to do the high five with or the the little cheer with everybody else. What does a five-person high-five look like? (laughs) (laughs) A mess. Someone's getting slapped. (laughs) I got a two-parter. Mine spins off of what Michael just said. I love love even the suggestion of fucking Gaspar being like, this is uncomfortable. Let's just bring everybody in. Let's bring everybody (laughs) in for a second. Hands in. Let's just touch base. One of the last people you'd expect to initiate a Wobundi. (laughs) Exactly. A a what? So you can't... (laughs) Uh, never mind. It's too much. You can't refuse it if it's coming from me. And my my little my little part two. My little part two. It just happened, Zach. The look on your face at the end after doing all of that, like you have just put your entire fucking ass into everything <laughs> you just showed us, and are like, are you people fucking proud? Are you satisfied with what you've just seen? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Thank you. Yeah, not double. Or triple down on it. Uh, that last monologue, chills. Still, good stuff. I mean, no, it was. It's like that was, <laughs> that was a performance. Hell yeah! Right, like awesome as hell. Sometimes you you see something and you're like, woo, you cheer for it. Or sometimes you go, you know what? I appreciate that. And so it's with all seriousness. Hell yeah! Thank you. I uh, I was really debating on whether I wanted to finish with the moment of uh, in- inquiry stands before you. And I was like, no, no, I should, I should finish on Falric. That's this, like, this that's was the, the right good finish. And also, I just really love Gaspar and Abel, like, because <laughs> I know the the DM to player relationship, where like you know what you can say, and it is right, and it is true, and it's very juicy. Just the whole, don't worry, they were always watching. Now you, they just want you to know it. That was yeah. a really good line. That was, that was going to be my favorite moment. Is specifically, they were always watching. Now they just want you to know. That fucking, honestly, I will say my favorite moments have just been you delivering kick-ass fucking Abel lines this whole fucking mm. minute. Like, it's been it's been fantastic. I failed to deliver one. I missed its moment. Yeah. But it was going to be It might come back. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Usually when we do the favorite moments, there's like a lot of talk about it. But I think the, because I finished on such an intense shit, it's like, 
We're I, reeling. I, I, I liked this part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this has been a long time coming. Law actually originally gave me the idea of uh, finishing on Sunderholm here and like get, introducing that here because I did feel like I didn't know exactly where I wanted him to go. And then Law said, like, man, what if what if the fucking thing we're about to go through, somebody's already going through it? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have been wondering what that little shithead's been up to. So. Yeah. Beck <laughs> yeah. asked us for a list of, of loopholes that didn't seem tightened enough yet. And from my office's perspective, I was like, I, I am curious what the fate of Senderholm was. Hell yeah. That nasty like, little boy. I do like that it sets the expectation of what's possible under this inquiry. And like, where else would like a cosmic criminal be judged? Like, yeah. it just sets like both how important it is that someone's here and how shitty they have to be in some times <laughs> to get here. And then now it's your turn. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when, you know, he was considered like, he's another level. Yeah, right? yeah, like even the league, even we couldn't touch. I like, couldn't touch him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then here he's just nothing. There's not not even a rakshasa to try and bind him or anything, right? Yeah. He's just well, he's there. He's just not, a kid yelling at a big pile of tongues and fingies. A big pile of <laughs> tongues and fingies who just unmade his essence with a glance. <laughs> uh. Imagine being. Imagine having your whole essence broken into a million pieces to act as extra power for the mm-hmm. people who need it. Like that is, I was like, when I first wrote that, I was like, well, that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. like being John Malkovich, but worse. <laughs> it's the, it's the being a quiet watcher for all that. Yeah. Hey, he, the thing that drove every crime he ever committed was he didn't want to die. So uh, anyway, thank you, Hedegar the Editor, for editing this episode. I'll be taking a look at the uh, peaking and see if I, I don't think I peaked. I'm pretty right. sure I didn't. There was Take only it. one moment I saw the red light under the clipboard come on, but it didn't matter because it'll still sound good. So when yeah, you get to a full scream, a little peak doesn't matter. I also want to thank Brie Golden just for being a fantastic map maker. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled for the next few chapters. I'm f- thrilled for this next episode. Really excited to see what y'all are bringing to the table. But until we get there, I wish you luck. <laughs>